Welcome to the dungeon. I'm Matt, and actually, that's it. That that's all. The only people. I'm. It's only me. <laughs> so, um, I guess the first thing I have to say, I I guess I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been away for a long time. Yeah, I know that it's been a lot, and it's been a long, long time since I've had one of these. But I kind of felt the itch a little bit up again, and. Uh, I have, you know, I could, I could sort of say, oh, work has been really kicking my butt and it's been busy uh, and, and work has been busy. Or I could be like, oh, well, I kind of got out of the hobby and blah, blah, blah. I didn't get out of the hobby, actually. I, I kind of got even further into the hobby. Uh, to be quite honest, I just kind of, um, I got sick uh, in December just after the release of the last podcast. And then after that, I kind of forgot a little bit uh it was a little bit of the holidays a little bit of this a little bit of that but I can pinpoint exactly when it was that I kind of realized that I messed up it was just after January had happened and uh, it was about the 10th or the 12th or whenever it was the kids went back to school and uh the wife goes hey uh you haven't put out a podcast in a while and I go oh crap uh but before that you know, it's also kind of Dead by Daylight's fault. I, I don't know if you guys know about that game. It's a, it's kind of like an asymmetrical 1v4 uh, game where there's one killer and four survivors. And the killer has to, like, knock down the survivors and put them on meat hooks. And then they die messily. And then the survivors have to power gens and generators and then um, escape once they, the gates are opened. And the gates are only open once all the generators are powered. So... It's kind of a weird game because at first you, um, when you first start, you are really crappy at survivor. Like survivors are, it's really hard. It's got a bit steep learning curve for survivors, but for killer kind of not a steep learning curve because killers are faster than survivors. They, you know, they hit you and then they put you on the meat hooks. And once it's like, once one of the survivors is dead, three V one is kind of a little bit, a lot easier for the, for the killer. But then, once you become uh, sort of a little more, in, you get a little more into the game and you practice a lot more, killers start having a hard time with survivors who learn how to loop them. In other words, learn how to run them around, waste their time, throw pallets on them, stun them, and in general, just be pains in the butts. And it's it's so weird. This game is one that you will just, you kind of, you love to hate it. Almost like there are some times when I'm playing with friends and I'm surviving with friends. This is Swift, it's what's called, and and it'll be so fun. We'll we'll all die together in one match, and then the next match we we get out and do epic plays and save each other once we're on hook and things like that. And, and it'll be so fun. And then some days it's just so frustrating where you get killers that will hook you and then sit there and like stare at you while you're on hook and you just kind of get stared at. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those weird games that you can get really upset at, or you could just be like, yeah, whatever it is what it is. But so what I did in December is I tried to 100% this game. I tried to get all of the achievements because I saw somebody else do it in a, uh, in a Twitch chat. And I thought, you know what? I, I could, maybe I could do this. And uh, let me tell you, that is not for the faint of heart. It, is, it involves a lot of failure and a lot of just 
sometimes for these achievements, you have to kind of ignore the survivors around you or ignore dying a million times by a killer and just kind of keep pushing forward to get more and more and more and more um, of these achievements. And once, once I had them all that day, I immediately quit and, and didn't play anymore for a very long time because I just had it with the game. I was just, I was frustrated with it. My friends had kind of all peeled off months ago. I, I, I think they, they quit usually, I think it was like November ish. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know why I kept doing it. It, I can remember <laughs> getting kind of drunk on most nights and just like trying for this or that achievement and, and getting frustrated. Or even if I got the achievement, I'd be like, Oh my God, finally that's done. It was kind of like ripping your own fingernails out. So once I was done with that game, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something else. Anything else. doesn't matter what I immediately went out and bought two games. I bought Elden ring and I bought total war Warhammer three uh, video games. That is, and I went from one incredibly frustrating game to another, which is Elden Ring. And actually, I played all the Dark Souls, and I really enjoyed that. I played Demon Souls as well, enjoyed that. And I thought to myself, you know what? After Dead by Daylight, I feel like I could definitely 100% Elden Ring. And to my surprise, I I found that Elden Ring was a little more... Uh, it was kind of a little better because... I knew that the reason why I failed wasn't because of like RNG, like in no random number generators. It wasn't because some, some person who was playing a killer wanted to face camp me and, and hit me on hook and be toxic or because a bunch of survivors would hit me with every paddle on the map and then, you know, teabag me out the door. It wasn't because of that. It was always just because I, I needed to get better. I needed to like put my big boy shoes on, learn the boss's moves. And then after that, I would be able to beat that boss. And and that's why I loved Elden Ring. And I did 100% that. I, I took like a solid, I don't know, it was maybe 500 hours or something. And I did kind of that. And um, and I played a bit of Total War Warhammer 3. And I really enjoyed it. Um the, the one thing I did not enjoy was the the fact that there was only one type of campaign at first. And there was kind of also, it was, it was a weird win condition. You couldn't just go out and conquer and be happy. Like my first, I tried ogres at first and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to ogre about the map and conquer out. And uh, that didn't work so well for me because after a little while there was all these like chaos holes popping up in all my everywhere all over the map and my my legendary lord was in the realm of chaos like battling slaneshi demons and uh yeah that was that that campaign was an unmitigated failure so i, I restarted it and uh under Grecius goldtooth by the way which oh they did so well with that i love that character but anyway i um i restarted i only took two neighboring provinces so i only i had two complete provinces with two lords like with half armies kind of watching out for when the demon holes popped up and then put my legendary Lord in the realm of chaos and beat the game that way. Did the final battle, everything like that. I mean, it was okay, but it kind of wasn't the total war Warhammer experience that I wanted, uh, which is to say I wanted mortal empires. I want enormous map and I want to play as like say beastmen and just go around the map, burning down entire continents. I, I know that sounds you know, a little bit weird, but I, Hey, that's what I enjoyed. I love doing that. That was one of the first campaigns that I 
100% it in Total War Warhammer 2 was playing as Beastman in Mortal Empires and just murdering the whole map until there was nothing left. So after, I didn't play too much of Total War Warhammer 3. I think I played only about 100 or maybe 200 hours. Uh, but now that they they actually just, yes, a couple days ago, dropped um, the Mortal Empires for Total War Warhammer 3. So that's probably what I'll do after Nova Open. Um, but, I, you know, I know this this is uh, sort of titled you know, The Road to Nova or Objects in the Rear View Mirror are Closer Than They Appear. And, yeah, by the way, this is like the first evening of my vacation before Nova Open. And I do not feel like I've ever been more ready for a convention, or at least to run an event at a convention, than I do right now. All my terrain is lovingly packed, and it's it's been painted, and... Um, and it's all in boxes that are labeled with the table numbers that they're supposed to go on. And we've got map, uh, like the, we've got the layouts of where everything goes on the table. Thanks to Justin. And I just feel like I'm real ready for it. Uh, and I know we're going to have a lot of fun, but I also know that it'll kind of be like, uh, how to like how to put it. Uh, I guess Cypress Hill put it best when he said it's a fun job, but it's still a job. And that's what it kind of feels like. It's, you know, I can't, I can't just roll up in there and have a couple of drinks, roll some dice and leave. I actually have to present like a, a narrative event at, uh, at Nova. Which, I mean, it's going to be, I tell you, it's going to be fun. It's going to be cool seeing all the new people and all the old people that I, that I know and love and, um, and all of their armies. But I know Mike, who we'll hear from in a little bit, he's, he's probably, thinking about the same way, which is how did I get myself into this mess? He still has, as of this recording right now, I do believe that he still has, I don't know, like 20 zombies to paint and then like three heroes in his first death army. And I really hope he gets it done. I do. Uh, so let's see what happened after that, uh, after, after total war Hammer three. Um, I, by the way, the whole time that I was playing these video games, I was still going to Monday night, age of Sigmar night. Like I was still, playing Age of Sigmar, kind of AOS a little bit took a bit of a backseat at this time because I was, um, you know, I was just flip-flopping my, uh, my, um, my hobbies a little bit and kind of uh, putting AOS on the back burner so that way I didn't get burned out of it or anything. I collected a huge Slanesh army just after Christmas and it's still kind of sitting there, bare plastic and all, and uh, I'm just looking for a good time to paint it up. I know I will. In fact, I actually just finished getting all of the um, all the corn models painted up because that's what we're going to use for the uh, for the mini sieges and stuff. So I wanted to have all those guys painted and based and everything. After that, we decided Justin and I decided, you know what? Before Nova, let's do a a league at the store at uh, High Tide Games, and that was it was cool. It was fun. I took kind of a lesser role in that and that I let, I was like, you know what, Justin, you can, you know, you can devise, devise all the battle plans and, uh, and I'll just kind of like, you know, show up and play and help out and do kind of the, the mechanical work that needs to get done, setting up tables, breaking down tables, things like that. The rest of the league went perfectly smooth. We, um, except for the very the very last night of the league we were we were like setting up and getting all our stuff ready and um and the lights went at it at uh at high tide and 
we looked over each other and we were like, crap, because, you know, it was a big old storm outside and the lights were out and we called Smeko and they were like, yeah, it'll probably be 8 o'clock, 8.30 before, before we were able to get him back on again. And so Rebecca, the owner, comes kind of comes over and she's like, well, I got lots of food from the, she opened a restaurant, by the way, it's really good, it's called Bar's Bistro. She's like, well, I got all this food over there, so we, we kind of went over and bought some food so that way it wouldn't go to waste and and I was like, so you're going to kick us out? And she's like, no, it's a night fight. And I was like, yes. So we set up all of our, uh, we set up all of our, um, our phones with flashlights and we kind of just made the best of it. And it was really fun. It was kind of like, I don't know, AOS by candlelight. So, but some really exciting news did happen just after I finished Total War Warhammer 3, and that is I decided to buy myself a 3D resin printer. And boy, howdy, did I bite off uh, a lot more than I could have chewed on this one. It's beautiful, by the way. It's really cool. I got like a, a really enormous one. I'm looking at it right now, and it's the build plate is is super huge. It's something like 15 inches by like 8 inches or something. It's, it's the biggest damn one that I think they had and I'm really happy that I did because now I can just 3d print just about anything I want and one of the things that I noticed was that I mean you know when you when you start like when you listen to other podcasts and it's from years past you kind of remember things that they say uh and one of the things that I remember Carl from the independent characters saying is um you know he was looking at 3d printed models and he was like okay guys you know, if this is what's going to replace GW sculpts, then they still have a lot of work to do in the future. And, you know, that's the kind of the way that I thought until I got this thing. So my friend was telling me to, hey, look on my mini factory and look at don't he said, don't even bother with like free sites. Go on there and look for people to to support on Patreon. Those are who are going to be making the sculpts that you want to print out that are going to look beautiful and, you know, you can get to a great level of detail and they'll be good models for you. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not really, I never have been looking to replace GW sculpts with other people's sculpts for the most part. Uh, For the most part, I actually bought it for Dungeons and Dragons minis and and I have printed out quite a few D&D minis, which I've been very happy with. But then in July-ish time frame, like beginning of July time frame, I was think I thought to myself, yeah, I'm gonna make myself a Beast of Chaos army. That's a they just got their new White Dwarf update. They're looking super cool, and they've got a lot of you know interesting models with interesting rules now. And I think that I can make a pretty decent army. And so I was looking at it, and so much of the stuff is just the oldest sculpts. And they kind of look bad. I'm not going to lie. And Jerry sculpts of for right now that come out now, they look really good. But those Beastman sculpts are just, it's not just that. I, you know, it's also availability because all of it's made to order. Some of it was out of stock. Some of it was out of print. Some of it you just couldn't get. And I, I kind of was like, you know what? Let's just see what I can do with this, you know, by looking at these Patreon artists and seeing what they've created to look like these sculpts. And I found some really good ones. I'll tell you, Bistarium Miniatures, they do some fantastic uh, Minotaur sculpts and kind of some good undead stuff as well. But I, I got their Minotaurs and I've been using them as Beast, um, 
what are they called? The Bulgors. Man, they look so good. They look so good. All I had to, I did have to scale them a little bit so that way they would be the same size as a Bulgore, but man, they look great. And then I, um, there's a guy called Clay Beast Creation and he, he does a really fantastic, he does a lot of the monstrous sculpts because for the longest time I couldn't get a, you know, like a, um, a cockatrice. I couldn't get a, a manticore or not a manticore, the like three headed one. Uh, so, he had those sculpts. I bought them and printed them out, put them together and they look really fantastic. I'm talking really good. And then I, um, and of course the first thing that I became a Patreon of was one page rules because one page rules, I mean, they've got good quality sculpts and they, uh, they support them. I don't know. I, I like the thought of supporting artists in this way. It feels good. So I kind of keep those guys on, for Patreon and I get their releases and sometimes they'll have stuff that I'm like, Oh, this is going to look really cool in my Dungeons and Dragons campaign. So I'll you know, download it, print it out and start painting it up. And just recently I decided to make an entire undead Gargan army because I found a, a bunch of skulls from Bistarium miniatures with just a ton of Gargants. And I scaled some up a little bit, some down a little bit and man, do I have some nasty looking behemoths. I can't wait. As soon as I get back from Nova, I'm going to really start painting them. I guess the question is what, how, like, have I gotten my money's worth? I probably spent about a good, I don't know, $1,400 on the base model plus the washer and all the materials and accoutrement that come with it. Plus I completely screwed up the FEP. That's the stuff that like, um, little film that it prints on. It's kind of a little bit like overhead slides that teachers used to write on in the nineties. Uh, that would project. <laughs> I spilled it. I spilled my uh, resin all over the place. The very first print, it was pretty, pretty horrible, pretty horrible. But now I'm about a hundred or maybe 150 prints in and I'm feeling a lot more confident in my abilities. I it's, it was kind of a learning curve. And I, I will say I printed out a ton of terrain for Nova. That's I was, I started with GW terrain. I bought all the stuff that looked really good. I, you know, and then I kind of, I printed out whatever it is that I needed to fill in the blanks and it looks fantastic. I love it. Uh, so it's good for printing that kind of stuff out. It's good for printing out models that have old sculpts. But if you like, if you were to ask me, they have a, there's a Kragnos alternate sculpt. I would not do that. Honestly, I would just buy the GW model because it's beautiful. It looks good. It's the official model and kind of is what I like. Uh, I like beautiful official models, but for instance, if I want another bloodthirster, I already have two official GW bloodthirsters and they look good, but I don't want another one that looks exactly the same. I would rather have another sculpt. So I'd probably you know, buy an STL and print it right out. And there you go. I have another sculpt. I know that you probably would say to me, why do you need three bloodthirsters? Well, and I would say, shut up. I don't have a problem. You have a problem. <laughs> that kind of thing. No, it's fine. It's fine. I, um, so I've been doing that. I've been printing out and I will say at this point, the level of detail is there. The sculpt, the artists are there. The cost is there. I mean, I, it wasn't super expensive. Even if I didn't want to pay $1,400, I could have only paid like $300, gotten a really small one and been just fine. So yeah, learning how to do that has been a fun experience. And it's also kind of opened my eyes to the amazing artists that are on 
all of these sites that I never would have seen any of their stuff otherwise, right? I mean, or maybe I might have ordered something off of you know Etsy or something off of eBay or something like that, but I would never have seen half of the amazing things that people create if I hadn't started with this. Uh, and I'm I'm real happy that I did because it it kind of painting has gone beyond just Games Workshop for me. Although I do have a whole whole lot of Games Workshop stuff, and I'm not about to leave the GW paint range anytime soon. I, you know, I still like to paint other things. I don't like to paint the exact same thing over and over and over again. I don't think anybody does. And I think I'm getting finally to the point where I'm beginning to have collected all of the Games Workshop armies. Once you have all the GW armies, or at least for AOS, all the armies, I have many of the 40k ones and, and some of them I'm not particular about you know, necessarily having, uh, then, then I kind of have to range out if I want to paint. And we have been doing a lot of painting after I bought the three printer. I've actually been doing a lot of role playing, a lot, a lot of role playing. I've been playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we started up a, we, well, we have a long running every other Sunday campaign with, uh, my friend, Mike and Anthony and James and, and uh, a couple other guys, Victor and Will, and that game has been running great. We kind of go around the room DMing. I DM some and Mike DMs some, Anthony might some, et cetera. And, and at the moment it's, it's actually Mike is the DM and he's doing a great job. He's, he's got this whole world of undead where everything is dead and a great necromancer like took over the whole place. And we're all trying to like pick up the pieces and figure out how to fix this place. And the sun has like been occluded by a bunch of, clouds and it doesn't shine down anymore and the whole place is like freezing so it's it's kind of like kind of a, a little bit of a depressing world if i'm gonna be honest but but it's cool i'll tell you what i like about it i really like the fact that we are we are at rock bottom in fact we're at like permafrost right now there's no real lower we can really get so everything is kind of looking up from here and most recently, uh, the first first session, we met this great necromancer because he killed us. Um, Mike actually kind of enjoys killing us and then bringing us kind of deus ex machina us back. So he killed us, and then um, we were uh, introduced to a entity or being that's like, hey, uh, I want to fight against this great necromancer in my own way, and I'm looking for, kind of looking for people like you and say so you mean the party and they're like, Hey, can you, you want to help me out? And so we were kind of reborn and, and now we're, we're a little bit, I feel like we're now that he thinks he's killed us. We have a little bit of leeway where we can gather some power and try to figure out like how to, how to stop him, how to maybe take everything and bring it back to where it was. Most recently we, um, we went to this forest that was just had, thousands and thousands of spiders in it we didn't know about the spiders until we were halfway into the forest when we were we were kind of wondering because there was no animals in the forest at all there was nothing no insects no animals no anything and we get to the middle of the forest there's this huge cabin like a hunter's cabin and so when we go inside we find this this like dark elf lady and she introduces herself as lolth which i mean we don't know if it's the true Loth or just that's the name of the 
ladies, you know how some people call themselves Jesus or, and she wants us to play this game where we try to outrun her children, which are those 10,000 spiders outside. And, uh, and we have to you know run through this stupid forest for 36 hours to try to like get away from these spiders. Um, but before that, she answered a couple of questions that we might have. And one of the questions that we had was, you know, how do we stop this great necromancer? And the answer that she gave us was that we have to go back in time before, because there's no like reversing what he's already done. We have to go back in time and stop him at a very particular time. And more and more, I think my character is convinced that the time that we have to go back to is before the sun went out because uh, when uh, that's what they call it, the sun went out the sun's obviously still there, but whatever makes it so that sunlight doesn't make it to the ground, makes it really cold, makes it so that most things don't grow. So obviously there's a problem with that because I think that that was when he was able to gather power because think about it when it happened in real life, there was kind of, it was called the, um, or the year without a summer. That's what it was called. And essentially uh, a volcano had erupted and, it, it made it so that not enough sunlight came through. And so what, uh, what happened was like half the population of earth kind of died. And uh, while that's really horrible and sad, I think that that's why I'm thinking that that is the moment that we have to stop. And if we stop that moment, then we might be able to figure out, you know, how to stop him or at least we might have more allies. And we also, we also found out we have to have, we have to find somebody who knows how to, who knows how to control the greatest magic of all that being time magic, uh, not friendship, uh, that being time magic and not friendship. Friendship is friendship. Magic is magic. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we, we have to, we have to find that and we have to find a power source that is large enough to actually take us back in time. And I'm not exactly sure where we're going to find that power source, but we're, you know, we're kind of working it. Uh, that was one of the campaigns that I'm playing in. And another campaign that I'm playing in is run by my friend, Rachel. It's got, uh, my friend Alan in it. it's got my wife, uh, and myself and, and she's, she runs it. And we have another friend named Connor who you've had, you've seen on the heard of on the show and he plays in it as well. And that is actually kind of cool. We're doing tyranny of dragons um, which I'm trying so hard not to spoil. She really wanted to run it because she's got that enormous, uh, uh, that, that big old Tiamat model. Uh, and she wanted, she really wanted to use the Tiamat model. So I've already read through Tyranny of Dragons. I was preparing to run it for somebody. So I, um, I've been trying to kind of act like I don't know. And so I play a, um, I play a halfling. He's part of the Tutos clan and Tutos clan is something that I've, I made up a couple of years ago and it's a bunch of halflings and some of them I play as NPCs when I DM and some of them I play as actual PCs. And, um, and there was uh first there was Tommy and then there was uh, uh Tammy, Tammy Tutos and Tommy Tutos. And uh, there was a Joey Tutos. This particular, and his real name was Joseph, by the way. They're, they're actually kind of like, um, from like Staten Island a little bit. And and they, they, they kind of, they all talk like this. And so they're all very, let me tell you, they believe in classy ladies. They treat ladies right. And they also don't, they don't take no, nothing from nobody. The character I'm playing right now is called Jeffrey Tutos. And a lot of all the, the other players call him Jeffy. Um, he's an artificer. He's, he's pretty cool. 
<laughs> one of the things that he he did was he kind of mouthed off a little bit to uh, to Miss Silverhand, who is the the leader of Waterdeep at the moment, um, because she was, if I'm being quite honest, Laurel Silverhand is is kind of not a great leader, and uh, and she was trying not to pay us for the work that we did, which we went to this like this ice spire peak and we killed two dragons there one of which was crazy and one of which was her like crazy's boyfriend uh and so it's funny we we go back into this throne room and she's in such a bad mood and all the council are like all sitting there and um and there's like three dead bodies in the middle of the room it's like a goat man and another person and a like a rogue type and a bandit we're like what what's wrong? Like, why, why are you guys all upset? And apparently they, when they tried to send out these like portal scrolls, so that way we could uh, directly teleport back. They sent the, the court wizard sent the, is that more than one? Cause he didn't know exactly where we were at the time. We were trying to get Varen the white, by the way. Um, he's the guy who is like a dwarf who knew to work the white dragon mask. And that's what we're really, I think, trying to do is to find all of these dragon masks so that way we can prevent forecoming of this dragon queen back into the world of of men and elves so anyway we're we teleport into this place and these people are all upset the court wizard is sitting there shaking in his like sort of boots and uh and laurel silverhand's in a bad mood and she's like what do you have to you know, say kind of for yourself. And we were like, yeah, we went down, we found Varum. We actually found that dwarf, by the way, he was being, he, he was doing some sort of a ritual, but he was interrupted. Looked like by a bunch of snake people. Uh, so we went down into Diderik's, um, we were in like a pyramid, uh, the pyramid of Diderik. And we went down there and at first we thought he was hiding in the sarcophagus. So we mouthed off a little bit and then we had to kill a mummy and a mummy lord. Uh, Jeffy got mummy rot and almost died. It was very, very sad. He was, I mean, literally all. So right now, by the way, Jeff, he's got, his nose is just gone because the first thing that happens is your extremities start to turn to sand and fall off. So most of his toes actually fell off. I, or flavor wise, yeah, I asked if maybe I could keep two toes, you know, because that's last name and all. And, and some of my fingers fell off. Uh, turned to sand and and blew away. My nose is gone. Both my ears are gone, and I kind of look like uh, all my hair fell out. So I kind of look like a like a halfling Voldemort a little bit. Uh, so we're in this this room, this this big room, and and she's kind of mouthing off to us. And we've got Varum there. Like we went to go get the dwarf, and we went and got him. I put like a exoskeleton of. Um, of my little companion over him. So that way we could transport him without having to drag his unconscious body to court. And she starts mouthing off to us and kind of acting like we didn't do what we were supposed to do, which we did. And in record time, might I add. And, and then she starts talking about how there's this green dragon, like going around destroying towns and being a nuisance. So she's like, yes, go, go off over there. And, and so my, my companion dink, he's like, He's like, well, uh, we still haven't gotten paid for, you know, what we did here. And she's like, fine. Well, then uh, I'll have the royal treasury pull you up some, you know, payment. 
And <clears throat> we were like, okay, well, all, every bit of us was like filled with sand because we were in the freaking desert in a stupid, in a tomb. So we were like, we're going to go and take like a bath first. We're going to get ourselves cleaned up before we, you know, head out. And she was kind of being a little bit passive aggressive to us. So Jeffy was like, oh, oh yeah, by the way, uh, while you was sitting here on your butts doing God knows what and like summoning goat men's to the court and killing them. Uh, here's what we've been doing. And <laughs> I took my bag of holding and just dumped out a whole ass dragon on the, like the littler dragon that we, that we slayed. I put 500 pounds of him in this stupid bag of holding. And I just dumped it all out into the, <laughs> into the council chambers, all stinking and everything. I was like, Hey, that that's for you because apparently we're going to go clean up more of your messes. So you can clean up one of us. Uh, and it, it was like, it wasn't even like a full corpse. It was just like blood and gristle and bone and crap because I, you know, we'd already skinned it and everything like that. So that was, we barely made it out of there with our heads intact. We went down to this, this inn and we were taking a bath and we hear like a timid knock at the door and yeah, yeah, come in. And it's this kid like a page boy or something who um, he was, I don't know, 15 or 16. And I, th I think his name was like, like Frederick or something. I, I can't really remember his name, but he was like, he was like, Oh, we have this, this pavement for you. And he hands us these sacks. Right. And I'm, and I'm like trying to, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is a hefty sack of what, what, you know, it was probably gold. Look inside. And it's like 300 pieces of silver. We were like, really, really, Laurel Silverhand, you pay us each like 300 pieces of silver. What the crap is this? So I kind of was feeling a little bit cheeky still. So I was like, hey, page boy, come here. Hold out your hand. I'm going to give you something. And he holds out his hand. And I just put the a massive handful of silver. And I'm like, yeah, go out. Have yourself a nice time. Make yourself a man. Go out on the town, have a drink, you know, get a woman, do whatever. I don't care. So he leaves. And uh, by the way, very happy. Go downstairs to the, the bar part of this little inn. I ring the bell, throw like a crap ton of silver on the bar. And I'm like, eh, drink all this until it runs out. Everybody cheers. You know, the whole thing. We don't need any silver. We we literally, before this, found some gems that were worth like, I don't know, 500 gold each or something. So this, all the silver that she gave us is worth, I don't know, like like a, a 50th or a 100th of the, the wealth that we got from just those two gems. So we go out and we get some, some armor made and things like that. And we're, we're just going about town. I hired a rickshaw from like the Cartier's Guild and had them pull, pulling us around. And so we get this, this invitation, um, it's kind of a note from another page boy from Laurel Silverhand. And, uh, oh, by the way, when we were having our armor delivered, I was like, oh yeah, you could have that delivered to Laurel Silverhand and have her page boy deliver it to us. That way she knows exactly what we's doing in town. Cause she was asking us some weird questions about what we're going to do in town. Uh, that was kind of a power play on our part. I know. Uh, so we get this letter from Laurel Silverhand and it's like, Hey, come to the, the palace immediately and, and kind of be a little hush hush about it. I think she said like, and, and don't tell anybody or something like that. So we, we go over to the palace and 
Uh, by the way, this takes like 45 minutes of real time because we, we first thought that she wanted us to come to her in secret. Uh, so we were, <laughs> we were going to like, I don't know. I had this kind of weird plan that we were going to disguise everybody and come in as some other noble looking, you know, like paying a visit to her or something. Uh, but that didn't happen. That didn't happen. We just kind of, we went in quietly and we go into this room and it's her and this hell portal behind her with like a sort of a, like a busty female devil. And it was a contract devil. Laurel is standing there kind of like looking a little bit uncomfortable and, and we're like, what the hell is this, Laurel? And the devil wanted to give us help against Tiamat if Tiamat were to incorporate, reincorporate into the material plane. Uh, and, and she was like, yeah, I'll tell you what. If you, you give me something, I'll give you something. So she didn't want our souls. Apparently, Jeffy's soul isn't that, uh, <laughs> isn't that great. What, he, what we wanted, there's a... There's Dragonborn in our party who used to be a kobold but changed to a dra- it's it's a it's a long story. The devil wanted was that one egg. It, she wanted the one soul for, the, and she was gonna give us a um, a uh, like a demon general to help lead our armies, a Baylor and a um, I can't remember what it was called a it's it has a name. I think its name was Bile. Uh, B-I-L-E. And it was like a personal Duke of Mammoth or something. She was like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you Duke Bile. And I was like, eh, maybe, maybe that's... Or, by the way, the, the the dragonborn in question is a cleric of Bahumet. And I was like, dude, you don't want to do this. This is, this is not a good idea. And he was like, no, no, it'll be fine. It's just one little soul. You know, what could it hurt? I'm like, man... You're damning yourself to hell. He's like, no, why would I be damning myself to hell? And I'm like, you know, in the eyes of this lawful good God who believes in protecting innocence, like all of it. Anyway, it was a, it was a big thing. Um, and then I, I started talking about the law of unintended consequences of allowing devils to just incorporate on the material plane because once they're here, yeah, they'll like, he was worried about them killing our folks too, like our guys, but I wasn't really worried so much about that as I was about him, like, like influencing them, you know, plying his trade because their kind of mammon is about greed. So I thought that he would, you know, there would, there would be a lot of people that would be very tempted, which, you know, in all honesty, my character's not, doesn't really care that much about it. He believes in you know free will as far as, Hey, if you're going to get tempted, you're going to get tempted. You're not going to get tempted. You're not going to get tempted. Uh, be a devil being here is just going to fast for fast track that application or, you know, or not, or maybe teach a little bit of a valuable lesson. So regardless, we, we ended up eventually kind of telling that demon to just like GTFO and I mean, sorry, that devil to GTFO. Well, actually we didn't say that. Uh, we, we, <laughs> We did something even worse, which is we asked for 24 hours to consider. We're like, we need 24 hours to consider your offer. And uh, then we just straight left the city. We, we didn't go back. We didn't we didn't talk to, uh, to them again. But now we do have something on, on Silverhand because this is something that she didn't... This is a meaning that she did not want us to know about. Or rather didn't want everybody else to know about in the council and didn't definitely doesn't want the public to know about. So we can kind of blackmail her. And 
I've, I've done this thing nowadays where whenever a player or another DM runs me through a, an adventure, I try to con out of a very important member, a very important NPC, like an article of clothing. And let me give you an example. When Volo like kind of screwed us over in, in this one adventure and, and he was like, well, it's not exactly what I promised, but it, Here's here's what I can get you, and I was like, your boots. I want your boots. I took his boots. I took Volo's boots. It was so great. Um, so, and then in another adventure, I was we we, we saw Morden Kaiden, and I had him give up something silly. It was it was like a um, it was like a hairband or something, or like a leather leather strap that he used to tie his hair back. Uh, so I don't know what I'm exactly going to ask for of laurel silverhand but i also <laughs> i also told her how she was gonna die and she did not take that very well so that's kind of what i've been up to i've just been playing a lot of dungeons and dragons and i'm getting ready for a new as soon as nova open is over we're going to um start a brand new campaign up uh it's all going to be about Spelljammer. And I've, I've started recording session zeros for it because I want all the players to have separate session zeros and then they'll all come together for the first session. And I thought that would be kind of cool uh, that, that everybody would be able to listen to these sessions after, after we had, you know, after I have them one-on-one, they'd be like, Oh, that's why that happened. Oh, that's what, you know, Spelljammer is kind of neat. I, I really like the thought of having like trend, traveling in between the planes of existence and having adventures out there meeting dead gods thinking, you know all kinds of stuff and i can't wait for that that's going to start up um i think we're our first session is going to be the 15th of september and that's going to be real fun i've already i printed out a whole bunch of models for that um spelljammer models looked on my manufacturer and just bought all the ones that i could find that were kind of cool so i've got some hippo people i got some like slime people i got some I have some Hadozi and, and a couple others that I thought were kind of neat. Little pirates and Gith Yankee, things like that. Uh, that is what the plan is going forward. Now, about this Nova Open, I know this is <laughs> the road to Nova, but this really has been the road to Nova. So the whole time that I've been doing all this other stuff, I've also been kind of very slowly painting up uh, terrain for Nova and making the the story for for it and and kind of just doing all of that while I've been doing all this. And so now you kind of see why I haven't been doing any podcasting. Uh, and I, I kind of want that to change. I'd like, I mean, we're getting up on the one year anniversary of when I bought all this stuff. Cause I bought it off. Um, well, my wife was like, Hey, it's your birthday present. And so it was kind of my birthday present last year. And so I'm, since I'm getting up on that one year sort of anniversary for all this, I kind of want to start back into it and I want it to be a little more free form. I don't, I, I kind of go back and forth about this. I, I want it to be on a schedule so that way I have a schedule to follow, but I also kind of want it to be free form in that if I have something to say, I don't want to feel bad about getting on and, and talking for 30 or 45 minutes or something like that. And then, and then having to wait two weeks and put it up and this, that, or it might be in a weird spot or I don't know. I, I'll, I'll figure it out. I promise. I'll, I just want to, I want to get more out. And like I said before in the first episode, this is more of a, kind of like an audio journal of my hobbies than anything else. And if you, if you think that 
that is cool. If you like to hear me talk about what I've been doing, what I've been up to, uh, I, I, great. I, I love that. And if, if not, then I'm really sorry. Uh, but you know, here you might have questions and those questions might be, is this still going to be an age of Sigmar podcast? Yeah, it's going to be an age of Sigmar podcast. I definitely going to have a lot of more age of Sigmar topics than anything else. Am I going to talk about non age of Sigmar stuff? Yep. Probably going to do that because it's what's been going on in my life. And if here's the thing, if I get really into something like a campaign or, you know, I'm doing three Dungeons and Dragons campaigns at once and uh, I don't do a whole, whole lot of age of Sigmar, I'm not going to come on, I don't know, I'm not going to make a podcast and just say, well, I only had one game these last two weeks and uh, here's what it was. And here's kind of what I was thinking, but, but I might say, here's what these two weeks have been. Talk about this campaign, that campaign, talk about Age of Sigmar, talk a little bit about this, a little bit about that, kind of a variety of life type of thing. And, you know, I kind of got the idea from Alan, uh, one of my best friends that I know you've heard from because he said, He's, he's become a Twitch streamer, by the way, and he's been doing pretty good. Um, he's been gaining following and this, that. And I asked him, I said, hey, are you only going to play Dead by Daylight on your stream? Because that is very popular. You get a lot of views from that. It's definitely something that you can do. He said, no, I'm going to be a variety streamer. And when I asked him about it, he said, well, the problem is that when you only talk about Dead by Daylight, you only play Dead by Daylight, you, or like, you know, just one game, you kind of get burned out and even though you might, you know, it stops becoming fun after, after a little while. And so that's why he plays a variety of different games, including dead by day. Like he still does that, but he also, he'll play like, like older games. I think he's playing uh Sukoden right now. And he is also playing this other game called lost in random. That actually was really cool. It, it's about a little girl and, it's very Tim Burton-esque feeling. It's all about dice. And so he's been having a lot of fun and I kind of like watching him play. Uh, it's it's kind of neat to every once in a while just relax, kick back. And, and sometimes I join him on stream too. So, you know, if you if you ever want to see us play some, some Swift and Dead by Daylight, just look up Crusader Effect. Uh, he's, he's pretty good and I'm kind of still a little bit trash at playing survivors. So I uh, don't expect too much from, from me as far as sometimes I've got some interesting plays, but sometimes I just get killed really quickly. Um, and we have a couple other friends that play and we have fun, you know, have a couple of drinks on a Friday night and play. Uh, that has been the road to Nova. Now I know you're asking, what are we doing for Nova? Well, we're going to be in Gork's grin. We're going to be in Gork's grin, which is the world that Justin and I built for, the, the realm of beasts, uh, Gur. We are we're making this all about Bellacor versus Gordrak. So there are two gates in in this realm that lead to. Um, I'm sorry. There's 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 one gate in this realm that leads to a gate that leads to the All Points Gate. So Gordrak is going after that All Points Gate. We all know that it's in the it's in the lore. Current this is current lore. He's kind of gone back to his lieutenants and, and generals and said, hey, we need supplies. We need we need teeth. We need beasts. We need bodies. We need food. We need everything in order to, like, assault this gate and take it. And so that's what Gordrak's fashion, faction is doing. And Gordrak isn't actually here, by the way. It's just a, 
it's all his lieutenants and under lieutenants. They're trying to gather supplies for his war effort. Meanwhile, Bellacor is actually here in person because Bellacor is trying to destroy realm gates. You know, he's, it's kind of like that, uh, that idea of malicious compliance. He destroys a realm gate and turns into a, a, a direct portal to the realm of chaos. And he knows that Archeon needs this portal in order for him to actually get supplies, troops, and this and that. Maybe also might be a, a little bit of a way that Archeon could um, could leave if he needed to like make a quick exit. So if Bellacor is able to destroy it, then, you know, hey, it's, it's what the Chaos Gods are asking, and it kind of hurts his enemies, and it... It's that and the other thing. And then there's there's mercenaries who kind of don't want either of them to succeed. And the mercenaries will be working for or against Bellacor and Gordrak to try to either help or hinder them based on, like, if Gordrak is, is looking pretty low and he's not getting any supplies through, not retaining control of the gate, and Bellacor is sort of ascending, then the mercenaries might lend their weight behind Gordrak in order to kind of even things out a little bit more. Uh, and then if the mercenaries win, then neither Gordrak nor Bellacor get to do what they want. And the mercenaries begin, uh, get to be like a, um, they get to establish their own sort of colonies in this, in this world in Gork's grin. And they, they're able to kind of forward their own missions. Uh, meanwhile, if obviously if Bellacor wins, he, he could destroy this gate and, and create a, <laughs> a um another hellscape and if gordrak wins well then it becomes an orcish colony or at least the south part of it does and uh then it's you know it's under orc control and more war you know war supplies are fed to gordrak uh so so that's like kind of the long and short of it for what exactly we're doing for nova this year and i i'd love to have a podcast just just talks about that only talks about what happened during Nova after we get back from Nova. And I know it's going to be kind of a a great thing. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to write down a lot of what happens. So that way I don't forget is the wog father is going to be making his return as you'll hear in a little bit. And we've got a couple of other players that I know are coming. I know Emma's coming back and I can't wait to see the awesome army of chaos dwarves that, that she brings. That's going to be so great. And, um, you know, a couple of other favorites will return plus a bunch of people that I don't know. And I can't wait for that. Keep kind of like your ears out. I do plan on putting more of these out and I probably, you know, another thing that kind of burned me out last time a little bit, I say burn me out, but I actually really enjoyed making the narratives and, and reading them. I kind of enjoyed that part of it, but what I did not enjoy a lot of the editing process so I might be a little more lax about the editing process in the future. Uh, usually, like if, if this is an hour, it would take me about two to three hours to edit it. And if I can cut that down to like maybe just an hour and 15 minutes or something, just to cut out the major things like when dogs bark or cats bark, or I have to take a drink of water, or clear my throat, things like that. And I probably won't cut out as many of the ums or uhs things like that we're back season two baby thank you for listening i want to say that when when people come up to you and ask you they're like hey i noticed you haven't 
haven't put out an episode in a while and 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 you say you know what i i'm gonna own up to it i I failed i stopped i failed and and they kind of look a little bit like some people kind of have like a smug look like i knew you wouldn't make it and some people have like a hurt look like like how could you do this to me and and I feel bad both times. I feel bad for both people, but less bad for the first and more so for the second. Here I am. We're, we're going to try this again and see where it goes. Hopefully it'll go a little smoother. We've got lessons learned, and that's about it. So thank you very much for listening. Up next, we'll, oh, we only have two segments for this particular podcast since it's the first one back. It will be um, an interview with Mike about Nova Open. We'll talk a little bit more about um, what he intends to bring and um, and what you can expect at the actual convention. So um, thank you very much and have a great day. I'm just trying to make a fun list to play. I know you are, Mike. Hey, uh, we're back here with Mike talking about Nova Open. And uh, in this particular road to Nova, uh, we're going to talk to Mike about his sort of preparations for Nova when did you first know that you were going to Nova Open in 2022? Literally as soon as the uh, tickets went on sale. Um, well, that was obviously the point that I knew that I was going to Nova when I purchased the tickets and it said confirmed. But honestly, 2019 when we had the last Nova before COVID hit, I knew that every Nova from then I was going to make it to. One way, shape, or form, I was going to make it to it. Oh, because cool. it's it's an absolute blast being in your like your no your narrative campaign you, you do me too much credit when did you know that you were going to by the way mike's going to play soul blight but he's also going to i think bring some orcs we were just talking about a list that he could bring for the big big wah it's a fluffy list it's a fluffy list a fluffy list he's like he's like it's a fluffy wit, uh list but i've got this one guy with eight attacks who does like what five or six damage each just, just one guy, right? It's, it's a war boss with the destroyer. If anybody has played <laughs> Iron Jaws, you know the thing. It, no, you charge fine. it in and you let it die and it murders whatever you attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even then you still need to hit it, what, threes and threes or is it threes and twos? It's it's threes and threes, but... Okay, so there's a good fair chance that you can miss a couple of those attacks. Yeah. Yeah, see, there you go. That's a fair and balanced, right? It's exactly a fair and balanced and a fluffy list. It is. Uh, and I think he's going to take a couple of... Um, uh, I was trying to convince him to take some non-Iron Jaws units because other other than that, I think you were running at like same unit times a couple and then just what you had essentially, right? That I, I have Iron Jaws. I, I have none of the new orcs, none of the, uh, I think I sold you all of me, the other, other types, of or, the older ones, the bone. The ones that just do not work at all for yeah. any reason. Like you should never have those in your list. I, I consider, I think I did you a favor there. Uh, you Honestly, probably did. I think it did. Just take those off of your plate so you didn't have to worry about ever looking at those again. But um, yeah, when you only have Iron Jaws, you, you tend to make Iron Jaw lists only. I understand. I understand. So so we're gonna we're gonna see if we can get him some um, some new cruel boys in there and double them up, and you know he'll run some of this and some of that. And I think you'll have a good list. Now, what about the Soul Blight? Uh, how is how's that been coming along? It has been a pain. Uh, there has been many a look at the clock, realize it's one o'clock in the morning and I have to get up at four o'clock for work the next day. Uh, painting sessions that have been going on. Honestly, at this point in time right now, I've, I've painted a good chunk of this army up. And that's one thing I can say that 
I really haven't done with any other any other armies is put this much work into getting them finished and painted up before Nova. Um, we did our recent league at our local game store recently, and that actually helped a lot to give me the motivation to have my army painted, um, the different units that I was making up, because it, you know, you want to see that on the table. You, you know, the table looks amazing when there's two nicely painted armies that are there, and running the death and. I had fun with my death army. Not that everybody else kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I had fun with your death army. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought we'll it was great. We'll get into that in a little bit. Fair and balanced. Um, painting them up for the league itself definitely got the motivation back under me to work to get the rest of my army actually built up, painted, and based, looking nice, and getting a very like wide army done nicely. It also helped me learn the fact of the three foot rule, which was paint it up. Till it looks nice at three feet, get the stuff on it, get paint on it, get it on the table. Then you can go back and do the details and little stuff, but don't yeah. bog yourself down on one model and realize that I just ran out of time and I have well one little five man unit painted up now. They look amazing, but I think I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's that. If I had, you know, when you bought tickets to Nova, if you had said back then, okay, I'm going to paint up this 2,000 point list and maybe a thousand points extra, just because you know I want to have different things to be able to run, and and you know like you're you're like yeah, I've got like seven months or six months to paint it up, and then you had five months, and you kind of look over and you're like yeah, I'll start it next month or whatever, and he's like okay, well four months is now the time period you have, and you're like ah, well I should start it, but. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll just do a, a home run stretch at the end or something like that. And then all of a sudden it's August, like it is right now. And you know, you don't have anything painted up or very little painted up for the, the army. And you have no motivation to paint it up because you hadn't been recently playing. But in this case, you were talking about the, the league and you just, when you play the models, you get the motivation to paint the models, right? Exactly. Uh, between playing the models, having the motivation to paint them up, and then seeing all the other members of the leagues and the amazing paintwork that they're doing on their models and showing off and seeing that joy on their face when they come in and be like, I just got this done. It looks amazing. Check it out. And you're like, I, I want that joy too. So like you go home and you paint up a couple models and like the next time you come to the league, you're showing off your stuff and it... It's yeah, awesome it's all around. Good. And one thing I really like about this hobby too is the support you get from other players. Like even if their model looks like Golden Demon Award, like top shelf, amazing model, and yours doesn't, the simple fact that you put time into that model to get it painted up, you get that respect and you get that joy back from other people. Like that looks awesome, man. Like keep it up. Yeah, you definitely get a sense of accomplishment in there. When you when you finish up a model, no matter how it looks, if you've put time in it, you've put energy into it, you put it on the table, and then it dies immediately because that's just what painted models do. As soon as they hit the table the first time, they're just going to die. That's, that's how it is. Uh, the biggest monster, the best, that looks amazing. You put work into it, top of turn one, you're pulling them right back off the table again. Yep. Uh, I have been there, and I, I know exactly what, you're <laughs> what you mean, but... I think right now, what are you working on tonight? It looks like uh, you got Nagash over there. So I have my Nagash model with me, and I'm running him two different ways. He's actually my custom monster that I'm bringing from my Death Army itself. Um, I'm running him as a Grim Reaper-ish type model, where I've actually done some model work on Nagash to customize him to make him look more like a Grim Reaper over like the standard Nagash model that was standard there. Um, I am also have 
one or two lists that I've actually put him in where I've magnetized the bottom of his base so I can snap it on to give him the wider correct base size for Nagash on there if I ever decide to run a list with Nagash in it. Kind of unlikely. He is 980 points, which is a huge chunk of points for any army in general. And should he be on the table and I remove him turn one like we just normally said, I just lost half my army. Okay. Thank you, Doggo. All right. I believe that you were talking about uh, putting Nagash on the table before we got rudely interrupted by old Lily over there. I think that there will be a, a, a time and a place for you to put Nagash on that table as Nagash, and that time and place is in either, I'm sure you'll play the mini siege. At, you, you mean the, the siege where we have how many feet of wall now? It's a lot. We have 24 feet of wall, yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about the, we're going to do mini sieges where two players um, go up against two GMs, myself and Justin, and we play the other side of the army as though it were a, um, as though it were sort of a narrative storyline battle almost. An AI. Okay. We're, we're an AI. And so we have specific rules that we have to follow and we can only make certain decisions based on, you know, based on what we could do to make this thing winnable, but challenging, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that feels like one of the perfect scenarios to run like a war master, like Kragnos, um, Nagash. I forget the dragon for Stormcast. Krondus. Krondus. Um, Like running one of those big models that you know is super powerful, kind of like an army unto themselves for what they can do. That would be like the perfect time to throw those armies, throw those models out without feeling like... Yeah, you don't have to feel bad. You You can throw a super hard list. Throw whatever models you want at us because honestly it won't matter to us. Yeah, We're not in here for... Well, we're in here for glory, but we're not in it to try to win. We're in it to try to entertain you and possibly give you a hard time so that we can, you know, it's, it's not whether or not you'll reclaim Reichold. It's how much you'll lose doing it or how, how little you'll lose doing it, or maybe how hard of a time it'll be or how much of it you'll reclaim in the time that it takes you in those five rounds. I gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. That'll be a good time to bring out your hard lists, whatever, you know, whatever you want to play is if you're like, yeah, I want to play with like, all Stormcast Dragons, but everybody else is like, oh, my bud. I mean, like run, run, running, a, me. uh, running a death list with four, three or four dragons in it and a couple other guys? No, no, the dragons are fine. I don't know what you're talking about. Fair and balanced. Fair and balanced on dead dragons. Uh, but no, I, that, that's definitely the perfect thing to use them in. And then in the, um, in the siege itself, we allow one unit that you can take without paying its points cost. Oh, very nice. And it's... It's done so that way it's intended for you to say, okay, well, this is 900 points. Let's bring this. You had a 1,200-point dragon? Bring that dragon. You know, the, the corn dragon? Yep. Uh, or if you've got, like, if you've got Archeon, bring Archeon. If you've got this, you got that. And no matter what, you'll always have a chance to bring him back and play with him, even if he gets taken out on the bottom, even the top of turn one. So you guys are doing the same rules like you did with uh, the 2019 Nova where you bring back a unit every turn? Yes, definitely that. And uh, I think we're going to just modify the rules based on input that we've gotten. I think what we're going to do is we're going to say, uh, we're going to put um, model caps on those units that are being able to be bring back. So that way you, you don't bring back a unit with 60 models. It got clutters the table. It makes it harder and longer. And we want our, um, we want 30 minute rounds. So that way we get five rounds full. We want a full battle. 
We don't uh, want it to be up until three in the morning, but we also don't want to stop at like round three. You could also, as an idea, instead of limiting the model count to it, say you have a foot and a half wide space. You have to fit the models in that space there. Like if you want to run a 60 man unit, it may be that's all you can really bring in to, to try to get enough done in that 30 minute time period. Yeah, it's more, it's not, it's, your space will be limited anyway. And I think you actually do, I can't remember if it's a foot and a half per person or two feet per person. But what we did was we calculated the, well, not we, Justin calculated the average like size of a human being's shoulder length. And then, uh, and then we added a couple of inches because I'm fat. I was and, wondering why he walked up to me <laughs> randomly behind my back with a tape measure. And, and then I, uh, and then after that, we, um, we just made that the, the deployment area size. So that way people didn't have to like turn sideways or anything like that. Is this the other reason why you guys bought more wall? Yes. That actually is the exact reason why we bought more wall. We will not be buying more wall after this. I can guarantee you. Oh, painting that wall was just atrocious. It wasn't, it, you say this now, but I'm seeing future Novas as the wall just wraps around more and more and more. No, no, no. Eventually, the fire marshal will not be happy with this. In fact, in in our current the state... the fire marshal's playing. Nope, nope. Even when the fire marshal's playing, I guarantee. Um, in our current state, we may actually have to make a, uh, a slight U with our, our wall anyway, because I don't know if we can have 24 feet of wall straight with the room that we have, because we have a private room. So just, by the way, total great trade-off. I will take the private room any day over having to run in that big, huge space that I destroy my... Oh yeah, absolutely. Being able to actually hear you when you talk without you having to scream just to try to get us our, our attention, because let's be fair, it's, it's loud in there with an entire grand tournament going on. Us, Very loud you know, trying to talk over that to our opponents that are there. And then you trying to talk over all of us to try to get our attention, to let us know time limits, round times, everything else. You, oh, yeah. you were, you were pretty hoarse then on, on the ride home there. Well, in 2017, I, uh, I completely lost my voice in 2018. I got super sick because that's just what happens at cons. You know, you get con crud and then my voice got really deep. And then in 2019, when I came back, everybody who came back was like, Oh my God, I thought that's what your voice sounded like. It sounds like this. What? And, and in 2019 I was hoarse. I, I lost my voice pretty well, but I didn't, I wasn't as bad because I think we, <laughs> we used some of the like service tunnels in the yeah. hospital. And I don't think we were supposed to, but we were like, eh, whatever. If they, if they don't like us using, they'll tell us. Right. Yeah, no, it, w it was fun there because, you know, we'd have the hotel that was there and we would just, we'd just walk back into a random corridor and we're like, you know, sir, uh, the people would just walk by and there's like 30 people this back is holding the group that's <laughs> yeah. there just all sitting and chatting and we just all wave and they kind of waved at us. It was like, okay. Well, I think their understanding was, well, as long as they're not like actively taking things. Let, let's be fair. It's the fact of stuff. um, they're paying us. <laughs> that's true. So, uh, so yeah, we'll have our own nice private room, so we won't have to yell so much. Uh, I and I can talk loudly for a while without having to talk over a crowd. And ooh, that'll be so nice. I, uh, I'm actually going to bring my little mini megaphone. Oh, great! Specifically for you, so you can just talk in your normal voice without having to yell, and we'll all hear you. You're the actual best. Yeah, you can actually uh, you can thank my wife for that one. There, she actually purchased the megaphone for me as a. It was a birthday gift on there. And my first thought in my head that went through was, 
I know someone that can use this more than me. Thank you, Anna. It's greatly appreciated. Oh, you better not have been up in the trash, boy. I apologize. I didn't mean to be up in the trash. <laughs> no, my dog Bruce just came downstairs and looked at me guiltily. And usually that means he's been up in the trash. <laughs> and poor Mike. Mike looked at me like, me? I, it was, yeah, it was sorry. <laughs> so I'm... I will say we have been really doing a lot for um, for these BPs. I've been Justin made all of his BPs before all his battle plans before uh, before July, and I um, didn't because I was procrastinating. But I have all of them done now. It's August what third, and I'm done with all my battle plans. Yeah, he um, he ran a lot of those off. He ran a lot of those for when we did the league itself to get a good trial run too with a lot of them to see how they would do um minor changes whether it's just deployment zones whether it's special rules with it i know if you guys have been with us on discord uh he was talking about like the custom monsters we it was a big kind of work through in the league itself for how strong the monsters should be what they can do uh we didn't want them too overpowered um connor i am terribly sorry oh yeah connor still hates you for that Um, by the way i I did not mean to we were able to kind of really work to get it dialed in on how strong these custom monsters should be how how slowly or quickly they should grow in power up to these points here kind of what they could do so that actually feels more balanced so you're we're not making monsters that you know have 10 attacks hit on twos wound on twos and deal 10 damage each hit at five inch range you know, <laughs> we don't want something that mike, overbroken mike is a little bit uh i, I think you might be just a little we bit all, stretchy we all now. remember too some of the custom heroes that were made during there and some of their insane uh damage output that what? a single they were model fine. could do ah uh, they're um, okay some that come to my name off the top of my head would be orc boo as Orc-a-boo. one of them as uh, the Lubu one, yeah. I remember he at was one cool. point you threw a gauntlet down and like he had to come after my hero and my hero after him. And I had a wizard <laughs> versus his guy. And um, I didn't make it through his first like three Whoa. attacks before he just murdered me. And he still had like six more attacks to go at me. And I'm just like, well, you can have that. Uh, you can have that little coin there, sir. I, my guy is dead. <laughs> Well, but then you had such awesome... If, if we didn't have that, we would never have had such awesome heroes as Kupchaka, which oh, is... Kupchaka. Yeah, that was Rebecca's drunken priestess that, that just like... She had cups full of wine that she chucked at people. That was awesome. Was it wine or blood? Oh, it was definitely wine, but it was also blood. Oh. <laughs> it was definitely both. No, um, that was... It was, was awesome was so to, like... To be fair, giving us the chance then to make the custom heroes built so many narratives for people's armies as they made their own hero. Wogfather, one of those included that was there, where it just, you you gave us the reins to have fun with it and re-ran with it. And like I said, there's so many narratives that have come off from this one here that are coming back to this to this Nova, this Nova here. Those heroes coming back, those narratives coming back in, going, all right, I got this, but now I have a custom new custom muscle that I can bring into my own narrative. Yeah, it's one thing that we really like to do is we like to say, okay, well, you can always play a game or two at your local gaming store or wherever it is that you play with your friends in your garage or in your 
in your family room or whatever. At Novo, we like to say, okay, well, there's always going to be something special, something unique, something kind of like some twist that sort of makes this army your own. And in this case, it will be these monsters because, I mean, we heard, and we didn't do this until we were actually going to have the custom hero come back. And we are like, oh, we'll just revamp the custom hero stuff for 3.0. Everybody would be happy. But then when we saw that it was in Gur and it was supposed to be all about monsters and monsters got good and monsters got powerful and, you know, everybody likes good monster. It's a good modeling opportunity. It's a good, uh, I've, I've seen tons of really cool stuff so far come out of the, the discord on this. Oh yeah, no. Some of those models that you guys have made in there have looked just absolutely stunning. Uh, the creativity, the customization, the, the imagination that has gone into some of these guys that throw them on the tables, and you know, thinking up their quick backstories for them or how they were created or everything else. It just they've been awesome to read. They've been awesome to see. You know, starting off with just the little basic ideas of hey, I kind of want to do this one here, and then over the last couple months, seeing those progression post pictures pop up. Yeah. And if anybody's wondering, we do have a, uh, a Nova open grand narrative discord page. Now we used to have only a Facebook page and the Facebook page, in my opinion was okay. It was good, but I, I don't know. There was something about it that just didn't, it didn't have quite the right tags that you could just go in and like this discord is. Cause we, we have a, you know, a discord thing for like a text chat for questions. We've got one for modeling. We've got one for, just discussion in general, like what have you or off topic stuff. So that way, like if you really are only interested in the questions that people might ask and, and get answered by myself or Justin, you just look in the questions, you know, text. And then that's all the questions that's been asked since the very beginning. And, or, and it's not super long as opposed to like, uh, you know, if you just want to see pictures of cool models, you can just go into the, you know, into the painting section or the modeling painting section and, and look at all the cool models there. Um, which there is a lot. Yes. Yeah. There, there are now. And, and sometimes even Justin and I will put up some of our, uh, some of the stuff that we've been painting, not army wise stuff, but stuff for, for Nova, like the terrain and yeah. Yeah. You guys have posted up a, um, a good amount of pictures of showing us, little sneak previews here and there of working on the walls and Justin posting up his pictures of like, Hey, just made this terrain table. It's like set up and looking good. And then you pop up and we're like, just got done with this terrain table. And just, it's like watching teaser trailers for a movie that you really, really want to see. And each teaser trailer just shows like a little bit more of an action scene. And it's just, you guys have been getting us hyped. Like, oh, thank like you. we're ready to like, put models on these amazing tables, see the rules for it and just throw dice at each other. Well, we're definitely going to have 14 tables, uh, 14 tables that are completely, you know, thematic and, and they all, they each have their own special battle plan, their own special twist. And every one of those tables you'll have to roll up to and, uh, and actually read the battle plan. You can't just go and face off against your and say, okay, well, whoever kills the most wins, that's, that's kind of not, not going to um, kind of not going to cut it for this, for these battle plans. But the way that we are designing them is uh, kind of like chess. Actually, it's simple to understand, but has deep complexities. Do you know what I mean? So absolutely. On the one hand, you can look over the battle plan and at a glance say, okay, I have to do this and this to win. But like in reality, the strategy of 
doing that is is a little more complicated. But at the very least, you know what the end goal is. So the little horsey guys, right? They can move like diagonal. You know what? <laughs> Up two over one. That's that's how it works. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I, I did checkers, so um, <laughs> you may say I might be at a little disadvantage here coming in if it's like chess. But you know what? You know what? King me. You know what? I can I'll, figure this out. I'll give you a pass. You're an orc player. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> we make up our own rules. Uh, orc chess. Orc chess is just checkers, but with a lot more punching. That, that really <laughs> sounds about right, though. King me. Eyes to king. <laughs> Want to fight over it? Work well, yeah. Hey, the winner. The winner's model, be, you know, does better. The winner's model does better. That's funny. So yeah, I want to make that game now. <laughs> Jeez Louise, <laughs> Mike, you stay away from that orc chest, boy. It's oh. gonna get you. So we're gonna. I and after we finish this, we've got a whole night full of painting ahead of us because I don't. Know, you're gonna you're gonna paint that Nagash up, and I'm gonna continue to paint terrain. Yay! <laughs> Yay. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. So much I am a little burned out on terrain. So much so that I actually went back to my RPG maker a little bit ago just to have something kind of different to do. Well, the league helped out at least change it up a bit for you. You brought in, you met it, you know, brought up in a new army, your uh, beastmen. Yeah. You, paint, you made up and you painted all up and look amazing on the table, by I the way. I did not paint all of this up. <laughs> I've Look, only painted even up your like half painting half looks better than like a lot of my painting. No, no. You give yourself too little credit. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Your painting looks fantastic. And that's all there is to it. Contrast. Contrast paints are great. Contrast are great. One, two, three coats, stuff like that. Look, the model looks great. Yep. Did awesome. That three foot rule, like I was saying. Looking that's good. That's a good rule. Yeah, I'm going to, I still have a, not a whole lot. I want to say I probably have about five more pieces of terrain to print or not print, paint up. Uh, they're already printed. Um, and they're all for different tables. So it's not like I have to paint up a whole tables worth of terrain or anything. It's just, I want one or two extra, extra pieces of terrain on the table. Oh, and by the way, do you know that, uh, what we call the steam deck at airship yard? The, the one that I've been making up the orc. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. I, the orcs took over a carrot and overlords outpost and kind of made it orky. Well, guess what the centerpiece model of that table is going to be? Is it going to be your airship? It's going to be the big-ass airship that I brought to oh, Nova I'm in so 2016. Happy that, I'm so happy that things will see a table again that we can just check out. And This thing is like 20 good... inches long and as large as a Mega Gargant. Actually, it's a little larger than a Mega Gargant. Like so, taller. So a little, a little quick backstory about this airship is uh, <laughs> back when Matt first went to Nova, and he was actually a player for these ones. Oh, it was 2017. Too. I'm sorry. 2017. This was 2017, um, Nova they were told that they could build a custom airship that they wanted to have for this thing. And it had to be like, you know, a smaller airship. No, they like, didn't say that. Okay. So it's like a 12 inch, like they also didn't airship. say that. Okay. They said build an airship. They said build an airship, not expecting Matt to purchase a stompa from Warhammer 40 K for the orcs, <laughs> yeah. throw it sideways and then just build an entire airship out of this. You had like the largest airship by like half on long anybody else no, there. it was a little more than that <laughs> so what i did was i took that stompa i put it on its side and then i took a uh, a castle wall for, and i i attached this castle onto this stompa and then orked it up a bunch made it look really nice so we have a large model that now is a butt plate that is larger yes and then he put a half. gun 
barrel on the front of it, which is like additional like three to four inches sticking out the front of it. It was a three-inch cannon. It was the, the, um, the night cannon. The big-ass <laughs> night cannon works well. So he has this massive like airship and just shows up. He's like, I made There's an airship. airship. <laughs> and people just kind of <laughs> look at him like, what is that? This thing like, is like 24 or 26 inches from stem to stern. It's huge. It is literally this massive airship. And, and it's got all this stuff on it. It's got bobs and gobs. It's got like probably, I want to say like 20 or 30 goblins on it. And you have spiders coming out yeah, of it. Spiders you got, are coming you out. You got Gretchen on it. You got gobos on it. You got orcs on it that are like popping out. You have bombs. You have missiles. You got arrows. Oh, and I took every single one of all of the, because I had a bunch of orc models for 40K that I didn't really put together and didn't do a whole lot for. Uh, well, I, I just, I didn't put the tailpipes in most of them because I thought they looked silly. So I took all of those tailpipes and I made that the like main engine back blast. So like, that's how this thing achieves lift. Going over to Matt's house. I have seen this model like sitting in his display case for the longest of times. And we keep trying to figure out like different events or something we can do to bring this thing back out again. But to finally see this amazing monstrosity come back out again and be on a table it's gonna be on the center of the table too also right i can't wait to see what like special rules if you have any oh i do with this model like what it entails i can't wait to like read that for the first time be like just get giddy with excitement the battle plan itself revolves around it that's amazing so that's the and and i promise it'll be in a way that doesn't make it like a chore to get around you know, like the problem is it's six inches tall or seven inches tall and it's 20, you know, five ish inches or one way. And then on the other way, it's, I want to say like seven or eight inches. It's huge. It's, it's a enormous. Massive thing. So, but don't worry. It, I, I've thought up a battle plan that takes it into consideration and I cannot wait. It's going to be great. I'll also, I'll, a little sneak peek about another battle plan that I, uh, I made up for all you power gamers out there. It is a it is a battle plan which punishes you more for uh, the stronger your list is. The stronger your list is, the more likely it is that you will lose. All right then, you're going down, Mike. <laughs> I'm just I kidding. Mike make is strong a, list. Mike is a good player. He makes middling to like he makes strategically good lists, but he plays them very very well. So that's the that's his main problem. <laughs> I don't mean to. No, he, you're fine. Um, but but just just Connor, so you I'm know, sorry. I I want people to come into this this uh, battle plan completely blind, and I I almost wish I could ask everybody that plays in it to like keep their mouth shut about exactly what's in the battle plan, so that way every single pair of eyes is like fresh. You can ask that because honestly, and I hope people would would do that if I did ask. With it being the Nova narrative and as hyped up and as psyched as people are for this event here, honestly, like if you say, Hey, keep the tables quiet on what they can do. Just, oh, no, so, just, that, this just one. so that next person that comes in, or even if it's that one table, just so the next person that comes in is fresh with it. Actually, I would ask this one and um, the defense of Reichhold uh, slash the raising of, I can't remember what the other one, Iron Skull Fortress, I believe. Uh, based on who you are and what faction you're in is is what the the um, the siege that we, the mini siege is. 
it depends on whether it's in Reichhold or in another place. And but you got a you have three factions that you're made up for this one, right? Uh, yes, we have three factions, but in this case, we'll only have two different sieges. Okay. And and the third faction will be doing a different thing, not the thing that the other two are. Okay. Uh, their objectives, that is. And whenever you, I have two players that play this this um this map, I I would probably ask that they keep it. You know, all the twists and turns and little things that we do a secret. I that gotcha. way they're not like, oh, yeah, by the way, guys, on second turn, watch out for that southeast corner. It's a doozy. And you're like, come on, man. <laughs> don't, don't make us change the battle plan at 11 at, at night. Because I want to be drunk, too, when I'm, yeah. you know. So no, no, like, like turn three, Justin came over and just took a section of the board. Like, <laughs> he was saying, Every model in this section is dead and just walked away with it. We, we, we would not do that, number one. <laughs> number one, we would not do that. Unless the... Player for the orc airship decides to uh, shoot the gun. <laughs> oh, you no, know, if kidding. you give me the option to shoot the big cannon, I'm shooting the big cannon. Oh, yeah. That's everybody, I think. Everybody would shoot that. Big if cannon. there is one model on the table by himself, I'm firing everything at him. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. I'll Star Wars this, I'll fire Star everything. <laughs> oh, and that's then, funny. That's normal orc shooting. I will miss with everything. No, 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 not everything. Just, you know, uh, like four-sixths of everything will miss. There you go. <laughs> Seventh edition orcs was all about the templates. That's true. That is true. It's all about the templates. But yeah, this will be, this will definitely be a good one. So we, you were correct. We have three factions. One of them is a uh, Gordrax faction, and that's the faction that's gaining supplies. The best faction. Okay. A faction. Orcs is the best. Okay. It is definitely... If you want to say it's the best, then that's like your opinion, man. Okay, so there's Gordrax faction, and then there's Bellacor's faction. And Bellacor's faction is pretty simple, and I'll, I'll tell everybody right now, it's you know what Bellacor wants to do, right? Oh, he's destroying Realm Gates. Well, there you go. That's a, he is destroying <laughs> Realm Gates and then changing them into pure portals into chaos, the, the chaos realms. He's a man with simple plans. I, well, I wouldn't call him a man, but he is a demon prince. He's original demon prince, so yeah, yeah, you know, once I'll, a man with simple plans. And then there will be the uh, the mercenaries. The mercenaries are not necessarily um, they're not necessarily for Bellacor or against Bellacor or for Gordrak or against Gordrak. They have their own plans, aspirations, goals, what have you. And they don't. The number one thing is they don't want one of those factions to get like a like a super big lead. So, yeah. like, if Gordrak's doing really well, then they might not like teaming up with Bellacor, but they will probably do something that punches Gordrak in the eye. A good example in this one here would be the mercenaries are in it for the gold. And as the longer the fight goes on between both lines, the more they make. So they don't really want one getting too far ahead where they're, they want to keep things kind of even with both sides going up through. So gold might be one reason why you fight as a mercenary. And certainly there are probably lots of mercenaries that might fight for gold or souls or what have you. But this is what I will say. Uh, some mercenaries don't fight for that shit. They like say, for instance, the Stormcast Eternals, they don't fight for gold. They don't fight. They fight for whatever they think is the correct course of action. And that might not be what it, it might be against Gordrak. It might be against Bellacor, but I guarantee you that whatever it is, it's something that neither of them might not even care about. Like there, there's a storm vault in uh, in this land in Gork, Gork's Grin, and so that's what a lot of the Stormcast will be fighting for. That will be, be fighting awesome. for the way that we want to word it is that if the 
if the mercenaries win, they do what they want. And it might not be like a super huge change to the land. It's not like you're closing portals and destroying them and then opening chaos portals all over the place. Thanks, Lily. Um, you, <laughs> you might just be, okay, well, there's some goblins that establish a mushroom grotto over here. There's some stormcasts that want to loot the storm vault before Nagash gets to it or Nagash's stuff gets to it. Or, or uh, Nagash you know, in general wanting to loot the Yeah, there you the go. That's before... That's a good example. Those three factions will be duking it out. And the players who are helping Gordrak or the players that are helping Belcor, uh, if they are more so of a particular allegiance than another, so for instance, if there was a whole lot of Slanesh players, for instance, helping Belcor, then perhaps Slanesh might have a much more pronounced influence over the region if Belcor were to win. Oh my. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. That's the type of thing that we're going for here where the players after it's not just that, Oh, well you have to do this or you have to do that. It's, it's allowing them to influence these, these the, land. the players create the story. Yeah. We, we I, create I, I, the land and everything around it, but they're the ones that influence the events. Very nice. No, that'll be awesome to see. And that'll be awesome to kind of hear after everything is said and done. And there's kind of that wrap up, like here's what happens. Oh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be so fun. And it's fun just because you can't plan ahead on that. Like no, you have to wait not. to see what events happen and unfold in these games. And then what goes on from there before you can even start thinking of like what goes on in the narrative. Mm-hmm. And then Justin and I have to stay up uh, until three in the morning on Saturday evening trying to figure out what all happened and then write a cohesive story that gw better be listening and focusing in when that comes around because i want to hear that in the next uh book what comes out oh no 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 no. they wouldn't be so crass as to use something that a fan developed please gw is i'm I'm sorry the 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 nova narrative which has become one of the top uh, events in uh nova it's it's fun that's all i could say all I care about is making it fun for the people who play in it. All right, we better um, we better wrap this up. Um, as always, with every person that I interview, I would like for you to have the last word uh, because I do a lot of talking and everybody knows that. So I'm sure you've been thinking of that last word the whole time, this whole like 40 Absolutely. minutes. Yep, definitely. Absolutely. You know exactly totally what you want. Totally not within the next, last like Five or so seconds. Yep. Else. Okay, so here you go, Mike. Go ahead. You get the last word. Thank you, everybody, for all the hard work that you guys have put in to make Nova narrative. It is not just Matt or Justin or anybody else that thinks of this, but it's the players themselves that truly make this narrative amazing. So thank you. What is this, an Oscar speech, or, or what are you doing over here? Just... This is going in the bloopers, uh, by the way. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just preparing my victory speech. <laughs> Your victory speech. Okay. Um, no, thank you, guys. I just need to give you a little bit of background before we get started into this. Uh, okay. Let, let me go ahead and... In Wild Space, you live forever. You don't age. You do not grow. You don't do anything. You stay exactly the same... Um, age and you look exactly the same as you do when you enter wild space and if you enter a realm like a material plane or realm of existence then you begin to age normally again and when the elves colonized wild space they you know acted like 
elves. They're like, okay, great, we can live forever. We have our civilization set up here, and they have to go to a material plane to you know, have children and grow crops and things like that. But they um, they go to wild space, and they would essentially live forever. And after a while, uh, and by a while, I mean many thousands of years, what they found was their sun was beginning to go out, and they know that they knew that their sun was like sort of it was supposed to be somewhat of a how they get all their light their heat there's everything like that and a source of power that they used so what they did was they were like well we're the pinnacle of civilization we need to go and we'll go out and just draw light from other suns in other words draw energy from other suns and so this is what i was talking about when i say they begin to get cold they begin to justify things that otherwise would be unconscionable they destroyed solar systems in order to fuel their sun for a little longer they wiped out civilizations under the justification that they are the pinnacle of society and they help other civilizations just by existing there was a um there was a link that was found to the space elves, these elves, and their god, which also lived in wild space. And so the most, the most expedient course of action was to just kill that god. And once that happened, it essentially made it so that their whole society collapsed. So these space elves society collapsed, and many of the elves that were not living in a material plane at that time, anyone that were living in wild space, they underwent a sort of a magical lobotomization. And so now they are good for almost nothing. Uh, they're, they're kind of soul dead, so to speak. Uh, they they do still live forever, and so therefore, the, the when pirates found this rock with a lot of heavy metals and good you know good mining in it, they took it over, but didn't really utilize it. It was kind of, you can imagine as sort of a Sartosa kind of like they it was a pirate port until one of the pirates kind of had enough. They were like, we're gonna go legit, and they declared themselves king, and that was it. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of bloody fighting. But in the end, he was victorious, and he corporatized the rock, known formally as the Rock of Brawl. Half of the rock is stuck inside of wild space, and half of the rock is stuck in the material plane. Insofar as the people living on the rock, they live on the place stuck in wild space, because, uh, you know, who doesn't want to live forever? And then on the other side is where they grow crops and do things like that. The king was killed. Unfortunately, his son was not as good as he was. He was kind of hedonistic. He, the only thing he really did was he set up a coliseum, uh, and he kind of funded a lot of the arts in this city. And by that, I mean like, like martial arts, not like, you know, painting and stuff. And this coliseum is where Thrycreen go to, to die. They fight as many gladiatorial battles as they can until they die from it. And it's not like they will kill the gladiators. If they're requested to, then they will, but on the whole, they're happy to just defeat them and keep on defeating them until they are themselves defeated. And a lot of people think this is great sport because they'll bet on how long you'll last and whether or not such and such will beat you and this and that and the other thing. Wait, wait, hold on. Uh, so the, the Thrycreen go to the Colosseum and... Uh, fight it out till their death? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I caught that right. After, okay, so actually I have to give you a little bit more history. So the son only lasted a couple of years until he was eventually killed. 
Um, and his and the the man's other son took over because he had two sons. And the second son only lasted five days because he was wholly unqualified for to be a king he, or to rule a society. He did he did several things that were very unjust. And then when he talked about raising taxes by like eighty percent, he was summarily executed, and they called it an accident. And then a cousin took over, like kind of a distant cousin, and he he ruled for approximately 40 years, actually very well. He, he did a good, good job. And there's another, another human who owns and operates the mining side of, of this operation, and that is the king's uncle. Xeno Extermination Limited does exactly what you might think, because half of this planet is in wild space. It's constantly under attack by wild space monsters, essentially. You know, like there's whales floating out in wild space and all kinds of weird creatures that can just exist out there. And so they have a like a group of adventurers, a corporatized group of adventurers, that go out and hunt these monsters. They also have this advent, this um, what they call uh, Spelljammer Academy, where they will like recruit people to become part of the Xeno Corporation, Xeno Extermination Limited. Lately, they have seen that the tr- the methods for getting people aboard these ships and to this place is very dangerous. People die very often doing this. Um, is is that they are they they think that your tribe thinks that they are being coerced. And they think that this coercion is part of a sort of cold cold justification uh, by the king. We justify kidnapping people against their will and, and, and forcing them into this very dangerous job because, you know, our society has to be... Prepared. I am. They will, in fact, arm you with a very, very powerful one-shot, uh, essentially pistol... Uh, that's that's coded to your DNA in particular, and once they what they what they think is happening is that uh, the spelljammer that's flying the ship that's going around and recruiting that she is in fact um, using some sort of coercion on the people that are there like some sort of spell to and she's also using that same spell to power the ship. If she were to either be incapacitated or dead, then it would it maybe would mean that this spell would be broken and then perhaps you could regain control of the ship and then figure out you essentially you need to infiltrate and find evidence does that make sense yeah and also gain these people's trust because they're being held against their will they're they're new to wild space or in some cases they might not be new to wild space but they're new to like this sort of thing and they're about to go into something very dangerous, kind of something that you've been doing a little bit more, or at least been training for, which is you know bounty hunting very dangerous monsters. You're actually placed in and around a group of pirates as they are boarding a ship that they're going to sort of take over and take stuff from and then blow up, and you are one of the people on the ship that they're going to take back as as human slaves as like human prisoners and then those pirates are the ones whom your intelligence has gathered that the extermination xeno extermination limited ship is going to hit they're going to hit those pirates they're going to kill as many of them as they can and they're going to take 
whomever they think is is good enough to be a fighter for themselves. So you see the justification? Yeah. Oh, they're doing a good act by by defeating these pirates and and killing them and but hey, there's there's people on there, they're going to take them. You um you're in your your like sort of quarters. Your tribe paid for sort of a a, a room on this ship which is made out of metal. It's a dwarven ship, at, very sturdy. And you are in these quarters, which is which are completely made out of metal, metal on all sides, maybe like ten foot by twelve feet. You can't even really stand up straight because you're thrycreen and they're very tall. And you hear shaking, as if something just hit the ship. Around you, you've got you've been outfitted, obviously. So whatever you had on your character sheet, plus you've got a singular pistol that is coded to your DNA and attached to your wrist. So it doesn't take up a weapon slot. It's just it's just on there, like a wristband almost. But activating it takes an action, and you'll have to make a ranged attack with it. This is what they want you to use on the Xeno Extermination leader that's pir- that's uh, captaining the Spelljammer ship. Uh, so what would you like to do? You hear warning klaxons ring out. Uh, the ship shudders. And then you hear the groaning and bending of metal as something rips open... Probably what appears to be the underside of the ship. The lights flicker, then go out, and then you see like the red light of warning klaxons, like emergency warning klaxons, shine on and off. And so you are able, you're able to see because you have dark vision, but it's it's kind of annoying, right? Because it's going in and out type of deal. Mm-hmm. So after I activate my pistol. Does it have to be shot within a certain period of time, or is it activated until I deactivate it or shoot? Um, activating and shooting is the same action. You literally just point it and, and then say the command word, and it happens. Okay, okay. I just and, I wanted to make sure that because you you said that they it takes an action, and I didn't know if it was kind of like flipping a safety switch and then pulling the trigger or if it, you know what I mean? No, the activation is actually a scent that you create with your mandibles and that scent is specific to you only. Okay. It's like your uh, own encoded DNA scent. That's actually scent is how you justify when when you talk in your clacking language, clackety clack clacks, you inter you put sense in there to to say, "Oh, this is this is what I'm saying is sarcastic. This is I'm angry or I'm sad." exclamation point things like that yeah and normal humans and elves and all the like non thrycreen cannot determine this so everything you say is kind of like in morse code with no real basis for interpretation gotcha i'm a wind talker got it yes exactly um all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna pull my gun out and have it at the ready okay um and then you said that i'm in my quarters right you are Am I locked in my quarters because of the? Okay, I was just making sure because sometimes when uh, things like that happen, where there's issues, doors lock and like for mostly for safety purposes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of my quarters and like investigate, see what's going on. Like, okay, Uh, if there's other people around, type of deal. The um. Oh, by the way, do you have a a D twenty? That's really the only thing that you'll need at the moment. Or um, some way to roll d20? I, I do. I have uh, roll 20 up. Or, um, okay. I'm sorry, D&D Beyond up. Excellent, excellent. Uh, 
I'm going to, as you begin, you open the door and you see that it's really old. It's kind of like, it's been well oiled, but for some reason, when whatever ripped out the bottom of the ship did so, it kind of like bent the metal a little bit. And so the door only opens about halfway. You think that you might be able to squeeze through if you get it open a little more, but you'll need to make an athletics check in order to kind of squeeze in there and open it up just a little more. Uh, I rolled a nine. Is that what you also got? That That is with the plus two, yeah. Okay. Uh, you were able to open the door just enough to squeeze through, but you don't think that you'll be able to get back in there without making another another athletics check. So, like, if you were forced to run back to your room, you, you wouldn't gotcha. be able to gotcha. quickly get into the... Uh, as you look down the corridor, you see that there are, um, there are three people, pirates that you've seen, around the ship one of them has a rather rickety looking leg that uh, they got from some ooze of a person was on their ship playing with a gun and it went off and shot his leg off uh, about a week ago and so he's got this like weird looking peg leg and he's like hobbling down the down the little corridor and he's like, clink, 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 clink. it looks like he's okay. heading toward the the top uh, to the to the front of the ship all right, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna follow with him, and right. uh, in my I guess in my telepathic uh, powers just to talk with him, I'll be like, "Hey, what's going on?" Hey, we're under attack. I don't know what it is. He says back in his stor- his like pirate dwarven accent. As he click clacks, he's like, he's like, guys, something ripped out the bottom of the ship. I don't know, but at least half the crew is spaced. Ooh, that's bad. Hey, we'll have to go get him later. Now, come on, we're going to be boarded. Are you good in combat? I'll look at him, and then I'll look at my gun, and then I'll look back at him. Like, he's actually he's actually running ahead of you. So oh, okay. he, he looked back slightly when you initiated telepathic con- contact. But other than that, he's actually running up the stairs while he's saying this. All right, I'll, uh, I'll run right behind him, and I'll, I'll, I'll let him know I'm right behind him. He's like, all right, sounds And you just are very surprised by a harpoon that goes straight through his chest and almost hits you, but you're able to just kind of like snake back in time and blood and viscera from the back of his chest kind of explodes back onto your face as he goes, and then is dragged back out on top of the main deck. Oh my, I'm, uh, (laughs) I'm going to go up there and, I will go up there. Okay, you go up and you see what appears to be a massive ship just made out of wood and has it has probably 10 to 15 cannons that look like they're armed with uh, grapnel shots at the moment. So they're, <laughs> they're using grappling hooks at the same rate that you would use that they would that like a cannonball would be shot out. It looks like an enormous gift uh, GIF ship if you, if you if you had to guess. And on the side of it, you see in stylized gigantic letters it says Moon Raider. On top of the ship, you see uh, about fifteen people, and they seem to be operating these cannons. And you look over, and another one shoots out. And, and actually topples the mast of the ship that you're on. It screeches and then kind of like falls. You know that the 
the actual sails and the mast don't have anything to do with how the ship operates because you're not stupid, but it still is kind of like a, like they, they targeted your, your top mast and you see somebody on the, the top of the, of the crow's nest, just jump out into wild space and just get spaced. Hmm. I, I, I don't know exactly what to do because uh, I don't want to die, but I also kind of want to shoot at them. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, let me tell you, by the way, being spaced in wild space is much worse than being spaced in actual space. Because if you're spaced in actual space, you just die. In wild space, you just go forever. Wherever it is that you are projected out toward, that's it. Mm, okay. Because you don't need to eat, sleep, breathe, or do anything in wild space. You just go in one direction, whichever way you just happen to be floating. So you know that there's a very real possibility that if something hits you and with enough force like these anchors seem to be doing, or I'm sorry, these grappling hooks seem to be doing, they could space you. All right. So it would probably be a wise thing to do to go inside the ship so that way if something rocks the ship i don't get spaced uh yeah or if something hits you knocks you off the ship you'll just yeah, float go out back, forever go, go back down under okay uh, as you're going back under i need you to make me a perception check if you wouldn't mind perception yeah that is a 12 okay you notice as you're as you're going out there is a uh a escape capsule for capsule from your ship and it gets launched off of the side of the ship, like the the side that's not being attacked. Can I see who's in it or uh, whose ship it is? Uh, it's a it's a little like little tiny craft, probably about ten by ten, and it's it's circular and it is it does have a viewpoint, and you see a small um, just before you duck below deck, you see a small looking ooze person or like slime person with a with like a stylized captain's hat on and captain's surcoat he's holding a gun in one hand and waving like as if he was waving goodbye but not to you it looks like he's waving to somebody else Mm. uh and i and i know where these uh these capsules are these like escape pods oh yeah you definitely know i will make my way to that Okay, no problem. Um, you make your way down, and you see like one or two other people rushing above deck, and they they instantly get get shot. And you think that if you had stayed above deck, you probably would have gotten shot. By the way, Moon Raider, uh, that is the the ship that you need to be on. That's oh, the I need, one. I, I need to get on that. Well, that's the one that that you want to. Um, they you knew that they were going to attack this pirate ship. Right. Okay. And you knew that if they take the pirate ship, that you want them to take you as a quote unquote prisoner. Uh, gotcha. Does that make sense? All right. So I guess the safest place that I can be is probably go back into my, my, my quarters and just wait for them to find me. Okay. Uh, you go back to your quarters. You, Looking at the door, you think that your door was probably locked before the bottom of the ship was ripped out, and something, um, because you could see the lock is actually broken on it, and you didn't do that. It slid open halfway, no problem, and then just kind of stuck there. So do you want to try and squeeze back in? 
Uh, yeah. Okay, go ahead and make another athletics check, please. Wow, I'm rolling really low, by the way. It's okay. Uh, that's the, a four. The The athletics check isn't to see whether or not you squeeze in. It's to see whether or not you were able to um, push the door open, open. more. Uh, in this gotcha. case, you do not. You actually wanted kind of to roll low in this case because now if you want to, you can slide the door back. It's not super jammed in place or anything. Uh, sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, you slide the door back. You hear screams and and shouts, and and then eventually, after like a minute or two, you hear the pounding of boots on on uh, on the metal frames, and you hear clear. Clear, clear, hands up, hands up, blah, 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 hands up, and like, on the floor, on the floor, on the floor, let me see those hands, let me see those hands, like, this is happening very close to you, maybe the, the, the deck next to you, I'm sorry, the, the room next to you. Hmm, alright, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my gun away, because I, obviously they're coming in in, in multiples, because if they're saying clear, that means that they're signaling to others, that... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're keeping comms with each other. Uh, so I'm going to put my gun away. I'm going to put my hat on, my, my nice, crisp, brand new cowboy hat. Alrighty. And I'm just going to go ahead and, like, like, get down on my knees and put all four hands behind my head, just waiting for them to come through, because I know they're coming through. Okay. Uh, you... I also should note that the pistol that's attached to your your arm is not a like it doesn't look like a weapon. It's sort of a bioweapon. So a oh, lesser okay. race will not identify that as a weapon. They would identify your, your rifle as a weapon though. And your I pistols. gotcha. I thought I thought you meant when you said it was a pistol that it was like a uh you know, handheld thing. No, like imagine, imagine like the Tyranid pistols that kind of looks just like an extension of their hand. And so to somebody else, they might be like, what's that funky thing on your arm? And you could be like, uh, you know, it's, it's my gabloobalator or something. Gabloobalator. You know, whatever you you could, you could literally just make something. Now, is this on one of my small arms or one of my big arms? Either or it's up to you. Okay, I'm just trying to make sure I know exactly where it's at for. Okay, like um, I didn't. You you pick left or right, small or big. Uh, we'll go. We'll go. Uh, right, small. Okay, no problem. That's where it is. Uh, pretty soon somebody slams the door halfway open and then goes stuck, stuck. We're stuck. You see a barrel pointed at you, and then uh, a guy who. Looks to be Gif, an enormous looking Gif, takes the door and just slams it open as hard as he can. It shakes in its uh, foundation, and then he forces his way. You can see he barely makes it into the door, the doorway. Like, he's really huge. He's probably about eight and a half feet tall and about three and a half feet, four feet wide. This thing is enormous. He says out to you, what are you doing in here? Who are you? I'm just uh, I'm just a, just a passenger. Are you clacking you, that at him, or are you initiating? Uh, I I will I'll speak to him. I'll be like, I'm just a passenger. What are you? You you're the one coming after me or coming at me. What? Who are you? He he kind of looks up 
And then you see his hand touch his ear, and he says, We've got another one. Take him too. No problem. You have any weapons? Uh, just my rifle. He kind of looks over, grabs the rifle, and uh, holds it out in his hand. And he says, Get up. Come, come. Like he kind of motions for you. You notice that when he talks, he talks a little bit too loud. Like, you've seen people talk to your kind before, and sometimes they, they speak slowly or speak really loudly, as though they don't know if you're quite understanding what they're saying. He takes you above deck, where there's a um, an actual like plank that's connecting the two ships now. And the plank looks to be about 15 feet long, and it's got little side railings, and he, like, motions you forward onto I'll, the ship. I'll, yep, I'll, uh, I'll go willingly. Okay. Um, as you, as you go on there, you see in the middle of the ship a, there's a, a woman who is about, she, she looks like she's a elf, and she's, um... Dressed in very tight leather, she's sitting at a table, sipping on something that looks to be, I don't know, like brandy or cognac or something like that, uh, some sort of liquor, and she's got like a like a typical piratey looking hat on, long flowing golden hair that's kind of tangled in very un-elf like fashion, and she's got three scars. One of them is on her. Uh, on her left side of her face and the other one runs down the right side of her eye. And you see that eye is actually closed and puckered shut. She looks up at you and in a voice that's a lot deeper than you've ever heard an elf say like in a normal elf, she says, who are you? You can call me Willie. I'll wink at her. All right. I need you to make a uh, charisma saving throw, please. Oh, that's okay. 13. Okay, as you make that charisma saving throw, you immediately understand that the spell friendship is being cast on you over and over and over and over again. And a hidden capsule in your right small arm pushes something into your bloodstream that, after that initial resistance, allows you to resist that, that spell. Okay. Like, almost unconsciously. But you know that she expects you to respond sort of favorably. Like, this is this is what you, you know that they do. They, they constantly cast the friendship spell over and over and over and over again until it takes a hold. Mm, okay. I'll, uh, I'll look at her. I'll smile. And to, uh, using my... I guess I can't really smile because I have nope, mandibles you don't, and I stuff. I can't smile. <laughs> I'll... Uh, telepathically tell her like in another life i'd let you eat my eat my brains she giggles a little bit kind of a husky giggle like (laughs) and she says all right you slimy son of a bitch you little ant motherfucker get down there you're mine now and she like nods off toward another corridor i'll deal with you later i'll uh lick my mandibles and go where she was telling me to go. <laughs> okay. After a little while, you see that they they set the other ship on fire and then destroy it as as much as it can be destroyed, uh, made mostly out of metal. And then 
they go they go out a little ways. Oh, by the way, you're shown to a a set of quarters. You see, there's actually quite a few spaces for people down here, and you're shown by a man in a uniform that says Xeno Extermination Limited on it. Uh, he doesn't really speak to you. He kind of just like grunts and points at a room in, in the downstairs compartment, which is supposed to be, I guess, living areas. It, this one is actually made all out of wood, but it's very spacious. It looks like it was supposed to be holding like a GIF. So it's the ceiling is like 12 feet tall and you can stretch out completely if you wanted to. And it's actually very large, surprisingly large in here. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna turn back to the person that was uh, escorting me. I'll be like, uh, I, I believe I'm supposed to be going to her room. This isn't right. This isn't right. He kind of like looks over and he's like, he's like, what are you talking about, dog? You're us now. Come on. Listen, Captain Sartosa doesn't want anything to do with you, buddy. You just need to fall in line, like we told you, real nice and quiet-like. Get in there and stay in there. Well, I'm going to ask for a tall glass of water and uh, the best food you got. I'm hungry. He says, you got it, buddy. One pile of slop coming right up, and the water we have is the water we have. Good. All right, so the door closes, and you actually see that you have a viewport. Like, there's there's actual windows in here that you can open up if you wanted to. Mm. Um, and inside, you see that the ship has started to move again. So is there, like, so is this, like, a sleeping quarters, or is this a... Yeah, yeah, you think this is, like, there. you see a bunk bed, there's, there's a little wash stand that's all made out of wood. You see, like, there's, there's no amenities to this room. It's kind of spartan. But it is made all out of wood, and it kind of smells like teak and oil. And there are bullet holes in this room. Like mm. it looks like somebody was shooting something off. And it looks like on the on the far right side there was an explosion at one point in time because the wall is all blackened. You said I've got a window. Does yep, this do window, window show? Does this window show the uh, burning ship? The other ship. Yeah, I, you see that this is the reason why you know you're moving is that the burning ship like comes into into focus like you can see it because the ship your ship turns around and begins moving away from the burning ship, which is starting to just kind of like fall apart and uh, you see you see one or two people jump off and space themselves. Although the ship that you, you can actually see where you're going because the, by the way, this window has no glass or anything. It's literally just a hole in the side of a ship. It's approximately cannon sized. Am I able to fit through this hole? Oh yeah. Yeah. Def easily, easily. You think that a GIF would have a really hard time fitting through it, but you can easily, you're like kind of insectoid thin. So because because it's made of wood, am I able to uh, like climb around on it on the walls? Like, like oh yeah, you can definitely climb around on it. All right, I uh, want to climb out the window and like get to a place where I can hear other people talk. I imagine okay. that there'd be on the ledge of this of the ship, like I can like yeah. listen to people like walk by and talk. Maybe get a little bit of information about where we're headed off to next and stuff like that. Okay, there's actually a um, an overhang, like a, a ledge overhang that you can climb up and, and kind of hang on into. Okay. 
and which people on top obviously can't see. By the way, when you're climbing on this ship, uh, it won't, at the moment, you are not weightless. You you do feel your weight. You will not have to make any sort of like athletics check as long as you're not in a combative situation. As long as you're just moving carefully, you okay. won't have to actually roll to like, you know, to to climb around on the ship. Uh, you you climb up and around to the bottom of the ship, right where the little where you can hear voices. And toward the aft part of the ship, you hear Captain Sartosa's voice, that the female that you now identify as Captain Sartosa. She says, did we get everything of value? All right, excellent. Now let's go pick up that straggler. I want him. She's, she, you also hear her like sipping her brandy or whatever it is, her cognac. And pretty soon you see them pull up next to a like the, the little escape pod that you saw <laughs> and they harpoon it, drag it over and then open it up quite forcefully. My close am I to where she's drinking? As, if you like look over, look over the little, actually make a stealth check. If you're going to look over, if you don't want to look over, you won't be able to tell quite how close she is, but you, you know that she can speak at a normal tone of voice and you can hear her just fine. So she has to be, Probably within 15 feet or so of you. I, I rolled a 16. Okay. You carefully lift one one antennae up that has an eye stalk on it, and you don't think anybody sees you. You could see that she's about 10 feet away, but she's about she's starting to get up and walk toward this, this like, vessel that they just recovered. Uh, it looks like the person inside or the thing inside is actually just starting to globule its way out and turn back into humanoid shape. And he says something, or I should say it says something like, ha 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 hi. All right. So I'm going to assume that that's either like towards the front of the ship, right? Uh, yeah, it's actually toward the middle. You're in the, the rear part of the ship, the aft part of the ship now. Does it look like I could stealthily deal her bottle of cognac and then go back to my room? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Give me a sleight of hand check. Like the the hand. it's actually right on the table right there, less than five feet away from you. Alright, let's give this a try. I rolled a sixteen. Oh, excellent. Yeah, you slipped that bottle <laughs> of cognac right right over. You're like, hmm. Actually, it smells like a really good vintage. <laughs> I make because I see that they're they're busy over there. I'm gonna go back to my room and I'm going to enjoy this drink while I wait for my water and slop. Okay, uh, no worries because the water and slop were automatically delivered via a chute mechanism. The slop comes down and is like it kind of like splurts onto what appears to be like a a small rectangular plate, and the water comes mm. out in a nice trough for you nice and there's like right. a there's a cup on a chain that you can dip into the trough and and drink all right so i'm gonna go back into my my quarters there's i'm assuming that there's gonna be some kind of bed oh yeah there's to... a very large bed in here you think that oh, this yeah. bed could hold like like two of you easily you think it Ooh. might be a gift bed Ooh, nice all right so i'm gonna I'm going to eat my food, I'm going to drink my drink, hang out, and get a little drunk while I wait for them to tell me what they want from me. Okay, uh, well, they leave you completely alone, and some time goes by. Enough time, more slop 
comes down the little chute. It's about at this time that the signal comes. It's kind of like um, three shots in your language that just pretty much means now. Like, they're They're about to board the ship. Somebody's attacking the ship. The people who were, were paid by your tribe to attack this ship are attacking the ship. Right. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, I guess I need to, like, break out of this room because I'm assuming the door is locked, correct? The door is not locked. Gotcha. So they're they're trading me like one of their own. Got it. Yeah, they they perf- they bought it. They thought that you were you know under the same compulsion spell. There's no need to have. In fact, they don't want you to have locks on these doors because they expect you to rush out and like defend the ship. Gotcha. Well, I'm gonna make my way back to the, I guess to the top of the, of the ship. Okay. I'm gonna get as close as I can to Captain Sardax. Okay. So let me let me explain what you see when you get above above the, to the top because you hear the sounds of fighting. And when you when you get up there, you see that there are a bunch of Gith pirates attacking the Gith Yankee. That's that's what they are. Uh, they're Gith pirates, and they're swinging onto the ship and and attacking. You see, like there's a there's like a that blob guy that you saw from earlier is facing off against one. It keeps trying to stab him, but he just keeps pulling his body away. So in like these weird fat this weird fashion that makes him miss. Uh, you see another a gif, enormous looking, probably eight and a half feet tall, wearing what appears to be makeup, and she's shooting a shotgun at one of the gif and just blows him off the side. And then you see at the at the front of the ship, Captain Sardax is yelling obscenities at these you stinking gif, get off my ship. She's actually dueling three of them at once. And kind of holding her own. She only has minor cuts and scrapes on her. Well then, yeah, I'll take a shot at her with the rifle. Actually, no, I'm going to use that pistol. Okay, please go. Um, you will, you, it will be a surprise, so you will be rolling with advantage. A dirty 20, and that one is a nat 20. Okay, your, the thing on your wrist transforms light. It sucks it all in, and then... Out of it comes pure blackness. Hits her square in the back, as like right where her spine is, and you see her scream, just a blood-curdling scream, as her back her back is messily vivisect, and then turns into like a fine dust. She slumps over, completely dead, uh, and her head is now missing. By the way, the the pistol melts off of your hand, the one hand, and and uh, falls to the deck. And then quickly dissipates into nothingness. Oh, so and, it's like burn after burn after reading type deal. Yeah, and that is where session zero will stop. So yeah, so this is the beginning of um the beginning of uh, of this thing. And I'll, I'll I'll tell you right now, the ship that you're on right now, this Moon Raider, that's that's gonna be the ship that you guys uh that you guys are gonna be flying around. How how closely are these uh, Thrycreen, like, descendant or related to actual praying mantis? I think they just look like them. A little That's bit. Why I, do, you, do you like my little, like, in another life, I'd let you eat my brains? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Actually, I think that they're more closely related to ants than they are, but I, don't, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, well... In my in my head, we're related to the the praying mantis. You know what? And therefore, that is what it is, right now. From right now <laughs> onward, that that is it. You guys like 
are space praying mantises. But yeah, you don't really care that much about your technology getting out there because if people steal your technology and and then or maybe find it and then kill things with it, they're kind of doing your job for you. Yeah. Evil is has a short half-life because they're always doing stupid shit that gets themselves killed. But yeah, you can actually find these weapons, the the advanced weapons. I just didn't allow you guys to start with them because they do a lot of a lot of damage. Oh. Yeah, it does. And that's with uh, just like level one. That yeah. Was level, level one, 55 damage. That was, that was very... Well, you should actually be level two. Oh, we need to be level two? Yeah, definitely you should be level two. Oh, I didn't... I just made my character level one. I made it oh, no up problem. to level five to see what... Because like level five seems like it's a very good like halfway point type of deal. You will get to level five very quickly because uh, the the module wants you to be level five. Archery, archery will work with uh, guns, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, anything that says ranged weapon, it will work with guns. And actually, for session zero, you will level to three. Oh, like so that's I just the gotta... sorry. You were supposed to start at level two, and then after session zero, you go to level three. Gotcha. So I'll go ahead and do that. They actually want you to make level 5 characters, but I wanted you guys to at least spend, you know, one session going from 3 to 5. Just so that way, I don't know, level 5 characters can be much, a little bit much for some people when they aren't familiar with the characters and what they do and the spells and all that. Sorry, my fighting style is archery, my archetype is ranger, and cool. my, um, my option... I put down hunter because you know I'm a bounty hunter. Oh, nice! And my my prey, I I'm debate debating between horde breaker and colossus slayer. And oh. the reason the reason I say horde breaker is because a a bounty hunter needs to be able to like bust down a bunch of little things to be able to get to the person that they're that they're or thing that they're hunting, right? And yeah. And that's why I was like, well, Horde Breaker helps you take out, like, you shoot two people type of deal. Like, a little insider baseball here. Uh, both are fine, but I think that I would take Horde Breaker. Horde Breaker is going to be very useful. I'll just let you know that right now. Yeah, I mean, I I understand. Like, you, you're able to shoot at two creatures with the same same weapon. Yeah, you are a hero. All because I'm the color of an eggplant. Color of an eggplant. You're a perp. Thank you for listening to Seriously Narrative, a Warhammer podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us for questions, please email us at seriouslynarrativepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page at facebook.com backslash seriously narrative podcast this episode of seriously narrative a warhammer podcast is protected by the creative commons license if you have any questions about the creative commons license please visit their website at creativecommons.org music is provided by incompetech created by kevin mcleod and used under the creative commons license thank you for listening